1992, in Irving, Texas, Brother Lee gave a very significant conference. Of course, all of his conferences were significant. But this one was particularly important and significant because it not only presented a revelation of God and his economy from a certain perspective, but it also ministered life into the present situation that, or the aftermath, the consequences of a major uh, turmoil, uh, works of division caused by certain leading co-workers. The subject of that conference was the satanic chaos in the old creation and the divine economy for the new creation. We know that all that God created was good. And after man was created in his image and likeness, God could look upon everything in his further creation and restoration and say, very good. God is a God of order. But the enemy is the source of chaos, of turbulence, of confusion, of darkness, deception, division, death. In one matter after another, absolutely contrary, opposing to God, the truth, the divine life, God's will, purpose, economy, and ways. So when sin and death entered the human race, Chaos entered, but it was now the old creation. And as a result, everything under the sun is vanity. And we see in recent months, especially those of us in the United States observing what has been happening, we see chaos intensified. So this message is very appropriate and timely and will be even more timely as the present age is coming to an end. We are in the satanic chaos for the time being, God does not intend to remove us out from the chaos. Rather, he wants us in Christ the victor, 
to overcome right in the midst of the satanic chaos. For this, we need economically something more than the essential spirit as life. We need the seven spirits of God. The seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. The seven eyes of the Lamb sent forth into all the earth. We need to be intensified. Nothing in the realm of satanic chaos can defeat the seven spirits of God and cannot defeat those believers living in the church life who have been and continue to be intensified by the sevenfold intensified spirit. This enables us to conquer the chaos and to overcome, to withstand the attack of death. This brings us to message three. The outline, uh, sorry, the, the title shows the essence of the burden here being intensified by the sevenfold intensified spirit to conquer the satanic chaos and overcome the attack of death. We may say accurately that this message is about the sevenfold intensified spirit as the seven eyes of the Lamb are seeking the opportunity in the lives of the saints to produce overcoming believers, overcomers, who will glorify God and shame the enemy by conquering the satanic chaos and overcoming the attack of death. There is much in this outline that requires uh, attention and development so we begin now uh, with the outline, reading it, and stopping to develop certain points, and simply reading uh, others because they're self-evident. Roman 1. We need to be intensified by Christ as the sevenfold intensified Spirit in his ministry in the stage of intensification to conquer the destructive 
satanic chaos in the old creation and to triumph in the constructive divine economy for the new creation. It may be that some that are new to this kind of message or this kind of teaching about chaos and overcoming, the word stage in point one might require some definition. Christ's ministry in the stage of intensification, the New Testament clearly reveals that Christ's ministry has three stages. The first stage was when he was on earth, living the life of a God-man, doing the will of God, dying for our redemption, releasing the divine life through his death. We call this the ministry of Christ in the stage of intensification. Christ's resurrection, followed by his ascension, brought him into the second stage of his ministry. And we denote that as the stage of inclusion. Now, what do we mean here by inclusion? The Bible speaks of the Spirit of God, the eternal Spirit of God. In the Godhead, we have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, eternally unchanging. They coexist at the same time. But in God's economy, a, a process for God to fulfill his purpose, the Spirit of God is not only divine. Certain elements of Christ's person, life, death, and resurrection have been added to the Spirit of God economically. So now, what the New Testament calls the Spirit is inclusive. It includes the humanity of Jesus. So Acts 16 speaks of the Spirit of Jesus. It includes Christ's resurrection. For this reason, Paul speaks of, in Revelation 8, the Spirit of Christ. In Colossians 1, he speaks of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. 
Now in his heavenly ministry, Christ is our high priest, is ministering in such a way that in carrying out his ministry, he moves among us and within us and through us as the all-inclusive life-giving spirit. He accomplished redemption. He died once for all. Now he's praying for us, shepherding us, carrying out God's administration, executing the new covenant, the New Testament, ministering heaven into us. On our side as the recipients, receiving through transmission what Christ is doing in the heavens, this is, in our experience, inclusion. The third stage is intensification. Why? Because the enemy's attack and evil doings is so strong and there has been departure and degradation in the churches and divisions and wrong teaching and turmoil, rebellion among the believers, behind all of which is Satan. The Lord economically intensifies the Spirit of God, to be the sevenfold Spirit. And it is only by our being intensified by Christ as a sevenfold intensified Spirit that we can overcome in our present situation. The Lord knows simply by growing in life and following the Spirit within, led by the Spirit to be sons of God, obeying the anointing, it's more than wonderful and absolutely indispensable. But we need the economical Spirit sevenfold in order to be overcomers in the present situation, which will eventually worsen beyond anything we can foresee or imagine. Now, we will go rather quickly through section A. I'll just simply read it. Because when we get to B and all that's following, we will be in the very core of the burden in this message. Satan the devil is the source and element of the evil chaos in the old creation. He's the source of the chaos. He is the element of the chaos. This implies and even indicates that when we conquer the satanic chaos 
We are in Christ through his victory conquering Satan. And Satan's work of spreading chaos is not only in the fallen world with all of the aspects of its system. He does all that he can to bring chaos into the church. The Lord said, I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not prevail, indicating they will attack. So in the subpoints, we see aspects of satanic chaos recorded in the New Testament. The ministry of the apostles was accomplished, was accompanied by chaos in such things as teachings that were different from the divine economy taught by Paul, the winds of teaching in the slight of men, those who made divisions and causes of stumbling, and factious men forming parties in the churches according to their opinions. This has happened to us. Certain factious brothers formed parties and brought in division. Two, there was chaos in the situation of the first, third, fourth, fifth, and seventh of the seven churches in Asia. And now we see the chaos in points A through E. The first one, Ephesus, lost her first love toward the Lord. That is chaos, disorder in God's sight. The third one, Pergamos, fell into the world where Satan's throne is and held the teachings of Balaam and the Nicolaitans. The fourth one, Thyatira, had the teaching of Jezebel, with which was involved with the deep things of Satan. The seventh one, Laodicea, was lukewarm and did not realize that she was wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. All these aspects of chaos invaded those churches at the time Revelation was written. And also, in the history of the church, in the forms that it took, In that history, that history includes all the things mentioned in Revelation. The one church the Lord praised with no criticism was Philadelphia, the recovered church. 
The second church, Smyrna, the Lord did not rebuke for anything because that was the suffering church. So we should not be shocked when in various ways and from time to time the enemy brings chaos into the local churches. And one way he does this, I may mention this again in relation to the attack of death. One very important way Satan brings chaos into the church is gossiping, unnecessary talk. Exposing things that should be kept properly in secret. Uncovering things that should remain covered, not denied, they're dealt with, but they don't have to be widely known because love covers. Love does not expose. Love does not gossip. And love covers a multitude of sins. But throughout our entire history, throughout the 54 years I have been here, there's been nonstop vain talking, bringing chaos into the churches and into the lives of the saints who are willing to hear, to listen to that kind of talk. Christian lives have been destroyed by it. This is chaos carried out through an unrestrained tongue. This is so serious to the Lord with respect to the kingdom, the Lord spoke strongly about idle words, useless words in Matthew 12. They're all recorded. All the things put in emails, put on social media, sent forth in texts, until the sender, the writer, the distributor thoroughly and genuinely repents. Those words are recorded and they will be brought forth on the time of judgment. This is not a theory. It's not just chaos in the pandemic, chaos taking place like in the city of Portland, Oregon, in the United States, 120 nights without stop. There have been riots, attacks on police, setting fires, trying to destroy. Even in situations, some have been killed. 
That's the horrible chaos in the world. We need to triumph over it. But in particular, we need to overcome any kind of chaos among us. For this, we need sevenfold intensification. B, God Himself is the divine economy. And in Christ, He has come into us as an administration, arrangement, economy, and plan that puts everything in order. Now, we're accustomed to speaking of God's economy, the eternal economy of God, the New Testament economy. And of course, that is accurate, it's truthful. But here we have, following Brother Lee's teaching, a rather unusual utterance. God himself is the divine economy. And in Christ he has come into us. Well, what is the thought here? We should not make the mistake of separating certain things from God. For, for instance, the will of God. God is not here, and his will is something apart from him over there. God's will is God. It's an aspect of God. God's purpose. In our thinking, in our language, God and purpose are distinct. But God's purpose is part of what God is in his being. I'm thinking of Brother Nee's messages, central messages on Christ being the reality of all the positive things. And Brother Nee emphasizes that God does not give us things. He gives us Christ, who is the reality of all positive things all virtues, all attributes. If we can grasp this, and I think we can, the way can be open for us to understand how God himself is the divine economy. He came to us in Christ. Now we have God in Christ in us, as an administration. We have God in Christ as an arrangement, an economy, and a plan 
that puts everything in order. This is, you could say, a manifestation of the working out of God's economy, which is God himself in Christ in us. God is a God of order, organic order. Our human body has order. All the members of the body are placed exactly where they should be. It would be grotesque if our feet were attached to our shoulders. No. God is a God of order. Satan is the source of chaos, of confusion. And we have been drastically affected by that satanic chaos in our thinking, in our emotions, in our living, in our talking. But we have the Lord in us as the administration, as the arrangement. And the issue will be by saving us in life, Everything will be brought into order. Ephesians 1.10 tells us that Christ, in Christ, God will head up all things in the heavens and on earth. Everything will be headed up. Satan's rebellion, the fall of man, brought in just a gigantic heap as the result of the collapse of disorder. But the Lord is bringing forth order, not organization, but order. And we should expect gladly for this to take place in us personally and in our church life corporately. The divine economy is to produce the new creation out of the chaotic old creation. As believers, we have received Christ as the divine economy for the new creation. So on the earth, Due to the fall, vanity of vanities, the Son of God came by incarnation. He came right into the chaos. And the goal that he was responsible to carry out has two main aspects. On the negative side, the Lord's commission was to deal with every negative thing in the universe and to terminate it. During his earthly ministry, 
as 1 John says, the Son of God came to nullify the works of the devil. And on the cross, he terminated the entire chaotic old creation. And Satan was destroyed. The devil was destroyed. All of his evil angels, the evil spirits, were defeated, put to shame. And on the positive side, Christ, in his resurrection, based on his redemption, brought forth the new creation. Out from within the midst of the old creation, with its chaos, Each one of us, all of us, before we were saved, we were just a living, walking, chaotic human being. We were just part of the chaos. But our spirit, although it was kind of like in a coma, it was deadened, it wasn't killed. God guarded that and preserved that from the enemy. He couldn't enter there. Then when we responded to the truth of the gospel, the Holy Spirit moved in us to give us the ability to believe. We confess that Jesus is Lord, Christ is the Son of God. We declared God raised him from the dead. We believed in him. We called on him. We received him. Christ, the source of the carrying out of the new creation, came into our chaotic fallen being in order to bring forth to produce the new creation out of the chaotic old creation. And we have received Christ for this. We have received God in Christ as the economy. And when, to the extent to which we are open to him, and give him the opportunity to move in us unhindered. He is working and operating constantly, day and night, to expand the new creation within us. In our spirit, we are a new creation. In our union with Christ, we are a new creation. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. We are a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. All has become new. This is our standing in Christ before God. Now, this objective fact of our standing 
needs to be worked out in our tripartite being experientially. And it needs to be worked out in and through the church corporately. So we have Christ as the divine economy in us right now for a new creation. Paul helps us understand this at the end of 2 Corinthians 4. He said so directly, our outer man, our body of sin and death and the natural life of the old, the outer man, it's just wasting away. But inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. We, are, we elderly saints, many of us can testify to you, to the glory of God. Yes, we know what's been happening to our physical body as we age. But we can testify. We are being renewed day by day. Therefore, do not fear human aging. The culture in the United States is a youth culture. There are all kinds of phony products claimed to stop aging, reverse aging. It's just junk. It's a deception. Let us simply be normal human beings, outwardly in the old creation, knowing a new creation is developing and expanding within us. A new creation. I have no doubt that if by the Lord's mercy and sovereign arrangement we can have this October conference in Barlow with hundreds of us together, I have no doubt that I will see hundreds of saints whom I last saw that's just a few exceptions, a year ago. Now, two years later, much newer. Maybe the hair is not black now, is gray. Maybe there's physical aging. But I have no doubt in Europe, in the midst of that aspect of the chaos. God, who is the economy in Christ, is bringing forth the new creation. This is wonderful. Two, the Christian life involves both the divine economy and the satanic chaos. On the one hand, we are a new creation, on the other hand, we continue to be troubled by chaos. During the last few days in your human life, 
Have you not been troubled by chaos? I surely have. But at the same time, I'm being renewed. And so are you. As a mixture of economy and chaos, the Christian life is a miniature of the entire universe, the history of which is a history of God's economy and Satan's chaos. Probably you never thought about this. I certainly didn't before I heard this utterance. I am a miniature of the entire universe. I'm both chaos and economy. I am both old creation outwardly and new creation inwardly. And so the Christian life isn't simple, is it? It's because of the mixture Not in our being, we are being purified and sanctified and renewed. But in in our actual situation, when it goes on day by day, there is chaos and there is economy. And this will be the situation until we're raptured as the first fruits to be the bride of our lovely bridegroom. See, the Lord needs overcomers produced by him as the sevenfold intensified spirit who will be one with him to conquer the destructive satanic chaos and triumph in the unique divine economy. This is a very important statement, brothers and sisters. The Lord needs, the Lord needs overcomers in Europe, of course, everywhere. But I'm speaking especially to the dear saints in Europe and in the UK. The Lord needs overcomers. Not only wants them, he needs them. He needs them to carry out what he has already accomplished through his death, resurrection, and ascension. And so, and these overcomers are produced by him. None of us is able to make ourselves an overcomer. You may have an overcoming day and you feel so peaceful and even happy at the end of the day. As far as you're aware of, no failures. No vain talk, no transgressions, no disobedience, no loving the world. Today you just enjoyed the Lord so much. Wonderful. 
Then the next day, all kinds of troubling things, issuing in mistakes, to say the least. So we cannot make ourselves an overcomer. Revelation 3 and 5 reveal Christ is the one who has overcome. He is the overcomer. And now by Christ as the sevenfold intensified spirit, he is producing overcomers. Perhaps everyone who is hearing my voice right now knows about the overcomers in Revelation 2 and 3, a particular category of overcomers, different from those in 1 John 5. And we all aspire and hope and long to be overcomers. We want to be in the kingdom, to be in the wedding feast. And maybe from time to time, we all have prayed, Lord, make me an overcomer. And we need this prayer often. But the prayer needs to be uplifted and can be uplifted with our realization that Christ, as the sevenfold intensified spirit, is producing the overcomers. This means when we are asking the Lord, praying to him to make us an overcomer, we are indicating to him we need to be intensified. We need to be intensified seven Fold. We need the seven spirits of God. We need the seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. We need the seven eyes of the Lamb. And it would even be helpful to you to pray with this awareness. Lord, I pray that you as the sevenfold intensified spirit will intensify me and thereby make me, produce me as an overcomer. <clears throat> and I would pray this for myself personally, but it doesn't stop with me. I surely pray that my beloved wife will be produced as an overcomer by the sevenfold spirit. And then the saints, the dear-seeking saints, the faithful saints throughout the earth, should we not pray and intercede this way? Lord, in Taiwan, in the United Kingdom, in Pakistan, in New Zealand, in Russia, in Brazil, all over the earth, 
but especially in Europe, <clears throat> because of your ultimate move there and through there. Lord, you are the lamb with the seven eyes. Produce the overcomers you need. And these overcomers will be one with him. Especially one with him as the victorious Christ. To conquer the destructive satanic chaos in our own being and living, in the church life, and to a certain extent, in order for the Lord to move on earth unhindered, we pray as the church to conquer certain aspects of chaos in the country where we live, to bring in an atmosphere of peace and order for you to move unhindered for the gospel's sake. Deal with the chaos in North Korea. Deal with the chaos in Iran. These prayers will be very effective because it is by such prayers the enthroned Christ carries out God's administration. Now we come to the second part of the overcomers, overcoming the attack of death. Death is a source of chaos, and perhaps even more, we may say, death is the issue of chaos, the ultimate issue, death. Point two, we need to be intensified by Christ as the sevenfold intensified spirit to overcome the attack of death upon the church and to build up the body of Christ in the resurrection life of Christ. even to spend some time personally with the Lord or with one or, or few companions to pray, to pray, read over this verse. Lord, we need to be intensified by you as the sevenfold intensified spirit. Lord, Death is attacking again and again. The enemy just will not stop in so many different ways. Death is attacking. It's attacking each one of us. It's attacking the church. Lord, we need to be intensified to overcome the attack of death upon the church. If we have the New Testament view of the church, of what the church is to God, and that Christ 
declared, I will build my church, you will also realize the enemy hates the church. The church is the new man, the body of Christ, the means through which God's will will be accomplished on earth. God's purpose will be fulfilled on the earth. So the enemy attacks. At certain stages under the Roman Empire, prior to the early part of the 4th century, Satan attacked by killing in dreadful ways, having the believers put to death. And in some parts of the earth, this is going on now as we are meeting. But there are many other ways, hidden ways, not physical ways, that the attack of death comes. The overcomers intensified by the sevenfold intensified spirit, overcome the attack of death, and then they build up the body of Christ in the resurrection life of Christ. On the one hand, we must overcome the attack of death upon the church upon the church in Berlin upon the church in Madrid upon the church in Paris upon the church in Stockholm we should not be dismayed or shocked that death attacks the churches. But we believe the Lord's word, the gates of Hades, will not prevail against the builded church. We must be built up as the body of Christ in the resurrection life of Christ in order for God to be able to say to all the angels, evil and obedient, look at my church, built up in the resurrection life of Christ. They, My church withstands death because I have produced overcomers who are overcoming the attack of death upon the church. This is not a matter of a position. Thankfully, that in many, many places, the leading brothers take the lead in overcoming the attack of death. They're a pattern. But this is not limited to elders and leading brothers. In other situations, sadly, I, I say this sadly, 
but it's part of our actual history. Even leading brothers may be a channel of death. They're in themselves too much. This happened in a major city in North America, in more than one. So any member of the body, any sister or brother, can be an overcomer, overcoming the attack of death. But the goal is not simply to defeat death. The goal is to build up the body of Christ in the resurrection life of Christ. Now we look into the details on the outline. A, the overcomers are victorious over the attack of death upon the church. Death is the characteristic of Satan's work. The ultimate goal of his work is to saturate man with death. Now I'm coming back to gossip, idle speaking. I'm simply one brother, one member of the body testifying here. But I need and I can say this. From all the years of experience, nothing has brought more death into the church than vain, useless talk. Recently, uh, some dear saints wanted fellowship with me and my wife, and they opened up their situation, and they have been attacked by death again and again by negative talk, gossip. uncovering of people, exposing them. No love in that talk. Ripping away the covering. I repeat, love covers a multitude of sins. God deals with the sins. In our Christian life, we deal with the sins. In the church life, we deal with the sins. They're not, they're not hidden in the sense that we pretend there's no problems. But they're dealt with according to God. And the multitude of sins are covered. Love covers. The enemy's strategy is to uncover, to expose to give people information that they don't need to have, then they have all of this talk, words in their mind, then the enemy subtly stirs them up to talk, and it spreads, and as it spreads, it magnifies. So it's way beyond accuracy. 
the characteristic of overcomers is they only speak life. And they will not listen to death talk. They will not absorb death-filled emails and texts. They discern it immediately and close their being to it. In Revelation 14, we have the rapture of the first fruits, the matured believers. In Revelation 14, mentions certain characteristics. One is that they follow the Lamb wherever he may go. And another is in their mouth, no guile, nothing negative in their mouth. In Ephesians, Paul directs the believers, no vain talk. Anyone who listens, they should listen to words of grace. How long will this go on, brothers and sisters? We cannot control others. It's their responsibility. I know of spiritual Christian lives destroyed by the network of gossip among young people in the churches. We need to realize this is not just humans chatting Satan, the source of death, is behind it. We must recognize this. Learn to conquer it in our own living. And testify Christ's victory over it in every aspect. 2 Matthew 16, 18 shows us from what source the attack upon the church will come. The gates of Hades. That is death. Satan's special object is to spread death within the church. And his greatest fear with regard to the church is her resistance to his power of death. May the Lord strengthen sevenfold our resistance to the power of death. B, the church that is built upon this rock can discern between death and life and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I had been in the Lord's recovery for just about a year. And one brother, I, I hardly knew him, but he was seemingly very pleasant. He and his wife invited me and my wife to their apartment for a meal. And of course we went. We liked the fellowship with the saints. And for a very long period of time, I could say hours, this brother just talked non-stop all kinds of things 
And I didn't know before that what what death looked like, what it was. But it affected my whole being. And when we got back to the our apartment, I was physically sick. I literally vomited. And the Lord in his kindness toward me caused me to realize this came from the death that was spewed out of that brother. I'm not condemning the brother as a brother, but I'm condemning the death that came out from him. And I made a decision and a determination that I had to learn how to carry out what decision and determination. I will never allow myself to be defiled and affected by death like that again. I will not sit and allow death to permeate my being. Sometimes we're just too nice in our natural life. Political, diplomatic in our natural life. Sometimes we should say, when someone's talking like this on the phone, to say, I will not listen anymore to this. The conversation must end here. And then properly you hang up. Or you walk away. You don't passively take it. Passivity makes us vulnerable to death. Three, if we would overcome the attack of death, we need to know Christ as the first and the last, as the ever-existing, unchanging one, as the one who became dead and lived again, as the one who is resurrection. The Lord spoke this to John, the apostle. Do not fear. I am the living one. I became dead and I am living again. And I have the keys of death and Hades. He has the keys to lock it up, to make us victorious. Four, to those who overcome the attack of death, the Lord will give the crown of life. The overcoming strength that is the power of the resurrection life. And this brings us to the last major section. Be the overcomers, build up the body of Christ in the resurrection life of Christ. The Lord said, referring to his physical body in John 2, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up referring to his spiritual body and the mystical body, the church. The third day signifies resurrection. He was put to death, but in the power of his resurrection life, he produced the church. And in the power of the resurrection life, we build up the body of Christ. One, the body of Christ is in the resurrection life of Christ. The nature of the church as the body of Christ is resurrection. That's the nature of the church. The church is a new creation created in Christ's 
resurrection. And by the resurrected Christ, the new creation brought forth from the midst of the chaotic old creation is altogether in resurrection. The more the new creation expands within us, the more resurrection life is saturating us. To be in the reality of the body of Christ, we must be absolutely in the resurrection life of Christ. This is the goal of the ministry, of the, of the work, of God himself and his recovery, the reality of the body of Christ. In absolutely, in the resurrection life of Christ, we have that song. Nothing natural does the body life allow. We need to be willing for the Lord through the cross in the spirit to touch every aspect of our natural life and replace that with resurrection life in our love for our spouse, in our love for our children. The natural life must be terminated. All of our human virtues need to be in resurrection. ABC, we are the body of Christ only in the new creation, germinated by Christ by the resurrection, by Christ's resurrection life. The body of Christ is in resurrection. And the reality of resurrection is Christ as the life-giving spirit. Right? The reality of resurrection is Christ as the life-giving spirit. Now this spirit has been intensified sevenfold we may experience the sevenfold intensification of the resurrection life of Christ as the reality of the body. Oh, may we may, be, may this touch us. May we be burdened. Lord, we want you to have, we want we to have the reality of the body of Christ which opens the way for you to come back. Lord, by the sevenfold intensified spirit, intensify the resurrection life of Christ in us all. For this resurrection life of Christ is the reality of the body. Lord, we pray earnestly, almost desperately, intensify the resurrection life of Christ in us for your body. The principle of resurrection is that the natural life is killed and that the divine life rises up to take its place. We have the divine life, the resurrection life, in our regenerated human spirit. When are we are willing to experience the natural life being killed, then spontaneously the divine life it just rises up. The cross has touched something in your emotions, in your emotional responses. It's been touched. Resurrection life springs up 
into your emotions. The Lord has been touching your way of thinking, your concepts, your views, your concepts, your opinions, your memories, your imagination. And then immediately, resurrection life rises up. Now, the last statement, when we do not live by the, when we do not live by the natural life, but live by the divine life within us, we are in resurrection. The issue of such a living is the growth and building up of the body of Christ. And I conclude by just reading again Roman numeral 2. We need to be intensified by Christ as the sevenfold intensified spirit to overcome the attack of death upon the church and to build up the body of Christ in the resurrection life of Christ. Dear Lord, Amen. Make it so. Make it real all over Europe and all over the earth.